0: Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. It's 22 through 29. And if you're physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. They listened to him up to this word. Then they raised their voices shouting, wipe this person off the earth. It's a disgrace for him to live. As they were yelling and flinging aside their robes and throwing dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks directing that he be examined with the scourge so he could discover the reason they were shouting against him like this. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and is uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went and reported to the commander saying, what are you going to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. The commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, he said. The commander replied, I bought the citizens for a huge amount of money, but I was born a citizen, Paul said. Therefore, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him at once. And the commander, too, was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege this morning of being able to assemble to worship on this beautiful Lord's Day. God, thank you today that we have your word, Lord, the lamp unto our feet, the light into our path, the source of all truth. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would lay bare any areas of our life that need dealt with. God, that you would deal with any issues of character, Lord, of, of issues of faith and trust, of where we're placing our hope and all that we have been called to be as followers of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross today, Lord, so that the Holy Spirit, Lord, might speak to hearts, not only in this building, but all over the globe, Lord, as the message goes out in a bold and a mighty way. Lord, thank you that we have a truth that's rooted in you and you alone that is unchanging. Father, I thank you, God, that we have the privilege today of being able to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I would pray, Father, that that is what happens all over today. Father, that ones would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, we just commit all this to you and we ask it in Jesus holy, righteous and precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here we are once again. It's like I can imagine Paul sitting there going, you know, all right, here we go. Same story, different arena. It is one attack, one lie after another, perpetual over. It's literally like I shared with you a few weeks ago, Groundhog Day. You know, on that movie with Bill Murray from the 80s, Groundhog Day. He woke up and it was the same day every day. The only difference in this is is it's a different city. It's a different arena that God has him in. As Paul desires nothing more than to share the hope of salvation. And if people would just step back during this period and say, what is this guy? Who is this guy? And if they understood that Paul was this guy who was Saul, so zealous for quote-unquote truth, Old Testament, Old Covenant life. He was passionate in it. Everything that he was in trying to kill Christians was doing nothing more than trying to do the right thing in his mind. Yet we know that he was so off-base because under the New Covenant, right, New Testament, New Covenant... The old covenant, the old order has been abolished. It has been put away. There's no longer the priesthood. There's no longer any of this. Under the new covenant in Jesus Christ, he has become the eternal high priest. So it's an exciting time in history, but yet here is Saul, now changed the name as God has to Paul, passionately proclaiming this truth, but yet the very people that he was as zealous about, as zealous as, are rejecting him just like he rejected the truth before he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Profound, though, really it is. And listen to verse 23 through 24 again. So they listened to him up to this word. Then they raised their voices, shouting, Wipe this person off the earth. It's a disgrace for him to live. As they were yelling, flinging aside their robes, throwing dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, directing that he be examined with the scourge so he could discover the reason they were shouting against him like this first thing that i want to share with you this morning comes from those verses and it is this the anger against us as christians will have no rational basis don't try to engage in an act of its lunacy when someone is diametrically opposed to you meaning they are they disdain everything that you are and you don't understand it that happens Especially as a Christian, if they don't like what or who you are as a Christian, trying to understand why they disdain you is going to drive you mad. Because it won't make sense. What is the, the subtitle of this morning's message? Not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but of principalities, rulers, dark forces in the heavenly realms. We are in a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. Would make it so much easier, wouldn't it? Thinking about the Iraq war and the Afghanistan, these were ideological ba- battles that we were having with people, Sunnis and Shiites, and them alone have been battling for centuries under how to appoint the successor of Muhammad. So they pause from infighting To fight the occupiers, but yet when the war is over, what happens? They go back to fighting each other. This is something that we're not going to have any comprehension of because it's not rational. The anger against Christians that non Christians have is something that you will not understand unless you understand it from a spiritual perspective and recognize. Why do they disdain the name Jesus? Because there's power in the name of Jesus, just like that old praise uh, hymn that we sing, amen? There's power in the name of Jesus. That's the issue. You can talk about God all day long. You can pray and invoke the name of God in public services, but the issue becomes, in where they specifically prohibit you from saying, do not pray in Jesus' name. What's the problem? I would say, right? It's just, I would say, right. As a if an, a, it's just words, isn't it? What are you so scared of? It's just a, a word, right? You could say that. We know there's power in the name of Jesus. The sons of Sceva found that out, didn't they? They were messing around with a spiritual concept, not as a spiritual men. And they ended up being overtaken by those demons because they were invoking not the name of Jesus because of Jesus being Jesus. Oh, it's in the name of, remember? Anybody? And then Jesus and Paul talks about. You go out in his name. I know him. I know them. But who are you? That would have been a little scary, wouldn't it? See, so there's power in the name of Jesus. You realize as followers of Jesus Christ, why do we pray in Jesus' name? Pray in Jesus' name because Jesus gave us the authority with which we are able to enter God's presence. There is no ability to enter the Holy of Holies to get in the presence of God apart from the eternal high priest, which Jesus Christ is. He abolished the old covenant, the old covenant. Inner, holy of holies, right? All of that was abolished when Jesus Christ paid that debt. No longer do we have to have a rope tied around our legs when you have a a priest, somebody of the Levites who was going in there. Can you imagine how scary that would have been with bells on the bottom of their robes? So when it quit ringing, you'd drag them out because they must have gone in there unworthy in an unworthy manner and having not either dealt with sin or done something they shouldn't have done and God would smoke them. They would pull him out, and then, hey, you're up next, coach. Good luck. We don't have to worry about that. Now, Jesus enabled us to go, and this is what's so amazing. Do you think that those priests went boldly into the Holy of Holies? (laughs) You've lost your mind. You're talking about fear and trembling. We're able to go boldly into the presence of God because of what Jesus Christ has done. Hey, man, isn't that awesome? What hope this morning, what joy and what peace because what Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection did is put an end to the enmity, to the division, the dividing wall that was between us. Hey, Jesus Christ removed that. He removed the wrath of God from us as Christians. So beautiful, the principle conceptually is just so awesome. But the world, this anger that they have against us has no rational basis. So don't get upset at a lost person for acting lost. Keep that in mind. Lost people only know how to live like lost people. Don't tell them, stop drinking, smoking, and cussing, let's go to church. Don't do that. What you do is put a really skewed picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in front of them, and what you do is present legalism to them. I disdain legalism. What is legalism? It's saying that by these rules with which you abide by is going to make you spiritual and able to enter God's presence. What do I encourage you to do? Begin to disciple them. Share the truth with them, the gospel with them. Share everything you know about it. Share your story first and foremost of what God has done in your life and how God met you at the time in your life that you knew you were lost and without hope and you ended up coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what they need to hear. They need to hear this story. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And what that does is it resonates. They're able to relate with that because as a lost person... They're not tracking with hope and fulfillment and joy and peace and that peace that passes all understanding. But I know that rational, rational human beings who don't have a very serious mental condition desire peace. They desire fulfillment. They desire to feel normal. They don't like waking up and feeling hopeless. They don't like waking up and feeling like there's no reason to live. If anything, we run from that. Any normal human being wants to run from anything that makes us feel like that. So when you have a person that God places in your sphere of influence, you share what God's done in your life. Be honest. Don't get in there and go, oh man, I'll tell you what I got to say. All oh, my bills disappeared. I started getting raises. It's just been nothing but the glory highway ever since. Don't lie to them. Don't let me find out you lied to them. I'll rebuke you. Because it's not real. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Serving, honoring, and glorifying Christ, and I don't, care what, I don't care if you're 55 and you die at 65, it's going to be a, a hard 10 years. There's nothing easy about serving the Lord, but there's nothing more fulfilling. There's no place you'll ever find hope, and there's no other place you'll ever find peace and there is no other place that you'll find belonging. And there's no other place that you will be able to dwell and fellowship with the very potter that molded you together in your mother's womb. And I say that to encourage you, though. Don't sell Christianity for something it's not. This is not some get rich quick scheme like Amway. This is not some, oh, my, I've got problems because of my behavior and this is going to fix it all. No, because there's a whole lot of work that we have to do as God continues to work in us and work through us as Christians. There's a whole lot of work that has to be done, amen? And it's waking up every morning and doing self-assessments. God, I want to be on track and I want to be the man, the woman that you've created me to be. Lord, is there anything that needs to be worked on? Father, shine a light in this. God, if there's anything that would hinder my ability to be a reflection of your glory, God, reveal it to me. God, do whatever you have to do so that you are king, you are my Lord, you are my God. And that's a hard prayer to pray because God answers those. Because you're praying in accordance with his will that we be conformed into his likeness. So therefore, God is going to answer that prayer the same way that as we pray unto salvation for somebody, God's will is that none should perish. Why it's so important that this prayer that happens during invitation on Sunday mornings Because we are getting in the presence of the creator that created these people and his desire is that those people come to faith in Jesus Christ. So when you start praying in accordance with God's will, you start seeing things done, things change, things get answered, amen? And if your prayers are not getting answered, what's hindering them? Praying that God gives you a new Maserati and a bigger house? If you have a genuine need because you've taken in more people and you need more room, praise God, pray for it. By the way, God already promises to supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. But I don't know how a Maserati, by the way, would fit into that due to the fact that they're junk anyways. Just look at Consumer Reports. You want to buy a Jaguar? Go buy one. They're junk. If you have disposable income, nothing sinful about doing it. If God's blessed you with tons of money, go get one, but you're wasting your money, amen? Get something that's going to stand the test of time, that's going to be faithful and reliable, and Consumer Reports is a really good avenue with which you can find out what is a very good way to spend the money God's given you. But you've got to be careful because there's all of these things vying for your affections, vying for your time, and it's very easy to get our human prayer list in an un- ungodly way by praying for things and then getting upset when God didn't give you the raise that you thought you deserved at work. I assure you, if God thinks you deserve that raise and wanted you to have one, do you think your boss stopped God from doing what he could have done? Amen? Amen. Well, wait a minute. I, they're a lost boss. Maybe they just did. What, excuse The Egyptians were, were lost too. And God let them plunder. The Israelites plundered the Egyptians. Oh, praise the Lord. God gave them over to be, what? Favorably predisposed so that they plundered the Egyptians. God just didn't get the heart of Pharaoh. He got the whole nation's hearts. (laughs) That's awesome. That's what I'm talking about right now. Nothing can stop what God wants to do. So praise God for that. And again, don't let this irrational Anger we have at someone who's lost, acting like a lost person. Use that as an avenue with which you can be a minister to them. Be the mission. Let them be your mission field. To God be the glory. Verses 25 and 26 again. So they stretched him out on the lash. Paul said to the centurion standing by, "Is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and is uncondemned?" When the centurion heard this, he went, reported to the commander, saying, "What are you going to do? This man is a Roman citizen." Ladies, the second thing that I want to share with you this morning, it's this, God can and will use all methods to protect the kingdom work according to his will. Paul was getting ready to get another whipping like he hadn't had enough of them, amen? Why were they going to do it? Oh, we'll beat them until the truth comes out. I guess in some circles that happens in past history. I guess you whip somebody enough, you're going to get whatever you want to hear out of them, Amen? Some people finally tell you what you want to hear so they stop beating you. But yet Paul was a Roman. Paul hadn't bought his Roman citizenship. Paul was born into it. Rome was very powerful back then. Rome's reach was going ultimately, I think, of course you can do a lot about it, but lead had a very serious limiting effect of Rome's ultimate power, I think. Uh, because they were drinking out of lead glasses and I think it caused a lot of trouble with psychologically in people but ultimately Rome was very powerful at this point and Paul's Roman citizenship was a very powerful part of who he was. So they're getting ready to beat him. It's one thing if you're just a nobody because you have the Romans that are going to do whatever they want to do and nobody's going to stop them but you don't beat a Roman citizen without a very good reason for doing it. So here we are, and you've got Paul getting ready to get stretched out, and I love how Paul does it. Paul just hey, by the way, you don't beat Romans around here, do you? And we get this pause. Uh-oh, I didn't know you were a Roman citizen. See, God will use all methods to protect kingdom work according to his will. There is nothing that could have said that Paul, in getting beaten this time, didn't end up dying from it. For whatever reason, God wanted to stop this, but we know that Paul's going to get some more ill treatment until he ultimately dies in Rome sharing the gospel with the very people that he was called to be the hands and feet of Jesus to. Paul didn't care. There was no limits to what Paul wanted to do and would do for the gospel, and ultimately, that's the heart that we have to have. Do you care enough about the people that you have been called to that no matter what the cost is, and that's the big thing, the cost sometimes. That's why many people have asked me when I was, had, I was hurt, I'd gotten saved, and I'm, I'm in this wheelchair at home, and this is going to be my life from now on. Aren't you upset? Aren't you mad at God? And I would say, mad at God for what? Well, because you get saved. I mean, shouldn't God have gotten you out of that wheelchair? Oh, I'll I'll give you my life, Lord, if you get me out? What is that? Me trying to bargain with God? No. I was at total peace with it because I knew God's ways are not my ways and His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways and His thoughts higher than my thoughts. God knows what's going on. God sees the big picture that I didn't. And this is what's so profound. God saw right now. God saw Longview Baptist Church four years later that didn't have a preacher. And God had to do what He had to do in me and conform me and change me and mold me And allow me to go through all of the doctors trying everything they did for God to do what God can, only God can do. And we always have to remember that. Is it easy? When circumstances happen to us, let me give you this analogy. When things happen quick, especially when they happen quick, this is what happens. This is perspective, right? So we're looking at life and we're able to see everything around us and everything's in perspective, But when something happens, either quickly, traumatically, or something we do not expect, all of a sudden, we find ourselves with everything like this. The problem is, is the old proverbial statement is, we can't see the forest for the trees. You ever heard that? Meaning, you can't see the big picture. All you feel is overwhelmed by these trees that are blocking you instead of recognizing that There's a forest here. There's the beauty of everything that's around you. And that's what the enemy does. He loves to overwhelm us. And once we get like this, the natural human reaction is to get everything away from you as quick as possible. But the decisions that we make in doing that are most often than not bad decisions. Because they're made out of fear it's the flight or fight mechanism when I was a police officer they teach you about that it's called the fight or flight mechanism it's when you're standing there with somebody and you go something's getting ready to happen they got a weird look on their face and what you learn is they are either gonna fight you or they're gonna run It's the fight or flight mechanism that is never a good thing for Christians in determining how to deal with this What I always say is, even if someone says something or you think they said something that hurt your feelings, don't respond. Be quiet. Don't say a word. Give yourself a 24 hour buffer. Has anybody ever heard me say this before? Good. Rest, y'all should listen better. (laughs) The reason is, a lot of times, someone never said what you thought they said in the first place or. If it was a text, especially text, you cannot see what? Emotion. How easy it is. When you get a text that says, what are you doing today? They never said that. They said, hey, what are you doing today? So you got upset, who do they think they are? What are you doing today? They didn't say it like that. They were actually asking you nicely, what are you doing today? Those are two totally different engagements, aren't they? We can't read into that and it's very important because the next thing you wanna do is, who do you think you are? You start getting passive aggressive with them and you ruin your relationship because you got all soiled up, you were upset about something else, and now you're, right, you went off half cocked. So anybody who sends you anything now, you're reading every bit of it with, I'm ready to fight. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, just a few of us. Well, the rest of you, praise God, y'all all all figured out anyways. We're all like that. And we end up dealing with everyone. It's like when you have one person in the morning that maybe you and your wife got got off to a bad start. Just maybe something simple. Then the next thing you know, your kids come in. You're ready to tear them up, right? Yes. So then you go to work, and you, the first person in the hallway, it says they say something sideways to me. I'm getting ready to knock them out. They didn't do anything wrong. But you're the one with the problem then, aren't you? Because something simple, that's why we've got to stop letting this and the reactionary desire that we have to react to it and the To get ourselves and our insecurities buried by getting it back out here, hey, let God and his word bring it back out. Wait 24 hours. Don't respond to that because I'll tell you one thing. I see it every day. I I deal, sorry, Mondays and Tuesdays with people who are alone and they're going to die alone. There's no one around them. I don't know what their stories are, but I know there's a lot of people in this world that die alone you know that you can create an atmosphere with which you will die alone? How is that? You continue living in your toxic environment, and I assure you, the waters will be so toxic, there will be no one around you, and you will die alone. I assure you, let me promise you something. I don't care how much of a rogue or loner you are, you don't want to die alone, I promise, okay? I'm not charging you for that. That's a freebie. But I'm saying that because there's attitudes and actions that every day, we either do this. We feed the spiritual man. The spiritual man is the one that the natural tendency of the human condition is not to want to feed. We want to feed the carnal person. I call it the carnal. We got two dogs, right? Good dog, spiritual. We got the bad one. We can do the spiritual feeding of either one of those, but those have direct implications in, you hear me? Law of harvest, what you sow, you reap. Do you wanna live a life completely alone? You might think it sounds good on the outset, but I assure you, I can put you in front of many men that were tough, strong people, just like you are, that will tell you, I made a bad decision. I thought it was okay, and I wouldn't mind dying alone, and now I'm alone, and I don't like it, and I've had them say this to me word for word. So take it from someone who knows this. Make sure that you do everything in your power to feed the spiritual man. The spiritual man is the man that gets in God's word, that allows God to change those attitudes and those actions so that you're not creating a toxic environment with which people are crawfishing to get away from you. And they will do that. You can only abuse people for so long, and those people will finally tell you, happy trails. And what you'll find out is it's very lonely, it's a very isolated way to live, and you will not like the fruits of it. And by the way, once those attitudes and actions are deeply instilled, they're very, very difficult to get out of. The older you get, the harder it is to change these mindsets apart from a divine work of God and very patient people that are willing to go through the process with you. So I'll leave it at that. But again, God can. He'll use all methods to protect the kingdom. And then verses 13 and 14. Or sorry, not 13 14. 27 through 29. The commander came, said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, he said. The commander replied, I bought this citizenship for a large amount of money. But I was born a citizen, Paul said. Therefore, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him at once the commander, too, was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and had, he had, that he had bound him. Third and final thing I want to share with you this morning. No schemes of the enemy will prevail, only God's perfect plan. You can have people plan to destroy you. You may have a countenance at work, and people don't like you because you're a Christian. This is what I'm so thankful for. No scheme, no weapon formed against us, shall prevail. Scripture says that. What is the promise of that? Height, more depth, angels, principality, nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nobody can beat me unless God so allows it to happen. What happens if he allows it? He'll give you the strength to endure it. Amen? There's people all over the world right now, the Scripture talks about us, and it admonishes us, commands us to pray for them. People that are suffering right now all over the globe. Why? Because they're Christians. Not because they did anything wrong. Oh, we get in trouble for something, then we want sympathy for it. We did something wrong ourselves, then we want everybody to feel bad for us. I'm talking about people that are Christians who've done nothing wrong. In India, Pakistan, Iran, all over the globe. Afghanistan, Sri Lanka. I'm just naming a few of the vast number of places all over the world where people are brutalized, arrested, tortured, beaten. China, they bulldoze the churches simply because they're Christians. Nothing more. They hate who they are. They hate what they represent. And therefore, they are persecuted because of it. The beauty is, God is not going to allow any weapon. He's not going to allow the enemy to prevail at all Only God's plans will prevail. And like I said to you when we were going through Acts the first time, 15 years ago, what is the gospel like? I'll tell you what it's like. In America, we've had this fire for the gospel, and it's as if America's gotten back from the heat and not liked it. In Acts, what we saw in the beginning when there's this persecution that happens, just imagine a small fire about this big. And the fire is the truth, the gospel. The gospel. It's burning bright. The enemy desires to stomp it out. Anybody remember about the printing press? Famous atheist, Voltaire, made the pronouncement that with 100 years of my death, Christianity will be extinct. It was his proud statement. He printed atheistic literature completely anti-everything Christian. Upon his death, the Geneva Bible Society bought his printing presses and then began to print and then succeeded in printing more Bibles than had ever been printed in the history of all mankind. Yet this man had said and printed on that that within a hundred years of his death, Christianity would be extinct. So what he was trying to do is stomp out the embers of that small newly emerging ecclesia, home church, what, what the whole entire picture of the the new infancy in the cradle of Christianity. He's stomping it out. You remember when I did the analogy the last time? What I say happens if you try to stomp out a little fire. It sends out embers and creates other fires. So it makes it spread more rapidly. That's what we got. That you and I watching in these places all over the world, why is there such a thirst for truth, the gospel in China? Why is there such a thirst in Iran? Why is there such a thirst all over the globe? And yet in America, we've been in a steady decline. Doesn't make much sense, does it? I think it's become too easy to be a Christian in America. I really believe it. It's been too easy. We've had it too easy. Would you all agree? We really have, haven't we? Steadily since 1955 in America, baptisms... Professions of faith did this. They peaked 1955. You know what happened after that? You ready for 2023? It's still here. Never recovered. Since 1955. But I would go with the scriptural picture of righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to a people. How does it change? changes with us. It changes with me, and it changes with you. It calls us to be a Paul every day. Waking up in the morning, like I said with Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's me and my house. We will serve the Lord. But what happens if I don't care what happens around us? I don't care what happens. The nation. There's nothing I can do to change anybody else, but I can start with me. And you can start with you. It doesn't take a national stage to begin a movement that changes the world. It changes when you and I decide that we're going to be what we have been created to be. We're not going to blame it on the rest of everyone else and everything else. No, I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation, in the hope that is my everything, because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. And this morning, my, my, my question to you is, what are you resting in? What are you trusting in? What is your battle against? My battle is against not flesh and blood, principalities, rulers, dark forces in the heavenly realms. I realize that. I've been praying that every time I engage someone that is not a believer, that I will be able to see them through the eyes of Christ, and recognize they're not the enemy. They are merely a tool in the hands of the enemy. Are you praying that God would give you spiritual insight, to give you wisdom, that God would pour out his thoughts to you, that you would greater grow and dwell in his presence, not buying the lie, remember what the lie is, that there is a fulfillment or something greater than the fulfillment that God himself has given you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Same picture in the garden. There's another fulfillment. There's a higher level that God has withheld from you when in reality, it is nothing more than a lie. God has blessed us with truth. Are you living it? Are you embracing it today? And if not, I want to challenge you to get in the middle of that peace, in the middle of that joy, in the middle of that unchanging truth that will sustain you yesterday, today, and most importantly forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. But today, you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust Him as your Lord and Savior, it requires you to pray and in faith, ask Him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for Him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.